This episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by the brand spanking new Squarespace 7, an amazing update to the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For your free trial, plus 10% off anything you buy, visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout. A better web starts with your website. I think it's important to know the facts about tampons, to use them intelligently, and to know what you're doing. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? You you sound scratchy. Oh, see, this is what I'm afraid of. I do. I sound kind of. Uh, I like it though. Bleh. It's it's uh it's really you know Susan Sarandony. <laughs> I always think of uh, Brenda Vaccaro in those. Uh, remember those ads in the '70s for lady products? Mm-hmm. And she had like like eight and like a <laughs> improbably gravelly voice. We were like, is she okay? Mm-hmm. Did she just mm-hmm. swallow a camel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. protection. That um, that uh, yeah, you know the seasons have just changed here in Seattle, and uh, when the seasons change, uh, is when I start wearing lady hats <laughs> because there's a, hmm. there's a certain kind. Do you remember? Do you remember when when Kangles were all the rage? Oh yeah, when um, when LL Cool J, yeah, you know when he loved his radio, he couldn't live without it, and he had a Kangle. That's right. And back in during that era, early nineties, I had a powder blue Kangle pith helmet that was made out of terry cloth that I just loved. I loved that hat. I just don't see that on you. It was really it was fly. Hmm. And, you know, particularly since in every other respect I was wearing, like, like uh, forest-colored wool, <laughs> like, basically, like, wool pants and, and, uh, and logging boots, the fact that I was wearing a powder blue Kangol, just, it was the little cherry on the top, right? Yes. So, anyway, I still have a lot of affection for um, that style of hat, and the only way you can find them is in lady hats. Oh. The 1970s style of kind of like bucket hat, ladies meant for ladies, made of made of wool or or terry. And every year I say I'm going to I don't care. I'm you know th- these hats are are gender neutral. I am I'm making them I'm this is the year that I'm going to just you're, wear uh, you're reclaiming them. I'm gonna wear lady hats all fall. They're not they're not as good in the in the winter. That's when you switch to your Kawichan hat. <laughs> your Kawichan hat is a good winter hat, but fall is a nice time for like a for a bucket hat. So anyway, uh-huh. I'm I'm wearing my lady bucket hat today. And it <laughs> that sounds it, like the name <laughs> of a of a fresh new rapper. <laughs> lady bucket hat. And um and my hat soon, is on my head. My hat is on my head. <laughs> as soon as I walked into the cafe because the cafe that I go to on the way down here is in the industrial neighborhood where everybody in there is in Carhartts and they all have like welding scars. And I walked in <laughs> in my lady hat and, you know, it was like the jukebox stopped and everybody turns. <laughs> and, and I was just like supremely confident, like, no, fuck you. You yeah. guys, this is the, this is the way of the future. And, uh, you know, everybody goes immediately turns back to their welding New magazines. York City. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but it made it it, it it does. It reminds me of sort of a, that nineteen seventies 
B. Arthur, scratchy voiced, oh, you know, yeah. a, a woman in charge of her own destiny. Oh, yes, I know those women. Yeah, wearing a kind of a felty, buckety hat. Maybe an Adrian Barbeau. To, Thank to, you. To refer to a mod uh, and uh, Escape from New York mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. No, was she? You know what? I got so much to talk about, John. Um, yeah, first of all, I think I, I, I think I've told you before that I've started trying to rule out to get. I, mean, I used to be like the way I feel right now. I would have said for forty years, "Oh, I'm getting a cold." Except mm-hmm. now, I'm pretty sure it could be allergies. I, I get a lot of the same symptoms as a cold when I have allergies, and so right. I have this super slow motion getting a cold feeling mm-hmm. that I, I'm hoping is just allergies because that just goes away on its own. I woke up in the middle of the night last night and had a seven-minute-long sneezing fit. Did you so record what, it? <laughs> I, did, I didn't, although I think they did record it out at Mount St. Helens on their seismographs. <laughs> but, uh, but I do feel like something happened, and all the... I, you know, I was trying to picture the little plants all releasing their spores according to some cue, some atmospheric cue. Mm-hmm. Like it's October. Uh, something happens. They don't. They don't need Oof. to get a specific message from a specific telegraph. There's something in their plant DNA that just knows when these conditions are met. Let's torture John. That's right. Here it is. Or or John and Merlin, like all yeah. along the West Coast, like and go. Yeah. And it's just like all of a sudden the air is full of some new pollen, and you're just like, oh no, what happened? I, I was fine yesterday. I, I think also our house is a little sick. It's really old. You know, and I don't think anybody's ever really like cleaned out the ducks and stuff like that. I mean, I know there's lots of toys in there, so I assume there's dust and stuff too. How many half-empty cans of flat soda water are there, uh, like in the raft, just like in the rafters and kind of like sitting on un- in the unfinished basement? That's a really, really good question. Uh, I am trying to be better about that. I'm trying hmm. to implement some workflows. <laughs> Because ever since I got off the soda stream, uh, for no particular reason, but I'm on the cans, and I'm going through about a 12-pack of cans a day. <laughs> and those really, really pile up. Yeah, they do, especially if you don't finish every one to the last how drop. Did, how do you know this about me? Because you found these around your house? <laughs> then you got one quarter of a can of yeah. fizzy water, and then you open another one. I, yeah. I think it might be all that keeps me alive. I mean, really, seriously, I drink a lot of water, <laughs> and I, I just don't even want to think about what happens when I find out that it's not doing what I thought it was doing. Yeah, I had two thoughts. Um, well, here, here's Okay, I was going to talk about lady product ads from the 70s and how much they, they freaked me out when I didn't hmm. really understand them. But instead, I'm going to pivot to hats. And, you know, you and I are both, if I may say, very fair-skinned. <laughs> I mean, for being as hardy and as hale and as hatted, as you are, I think people who meet you might be surprised to know that you're very fair skinned. Are you not? Yeah, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, my skin is in the is in the pink category. You're rather like a than peaches the, and cream complexion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. I, there's no. <laughs> there's no olive component. No, no, no. Well, my my wife my wife is much more on that end of the spectrum. Like she goes out into the sun for three minutes and she she gets a tan. I go out in the sun for three minutes and I have to be hospitalized. I've got like bubbly blisters. And I, luckily my daughter is more in her direction, so she doesn't burn as easily. But, you know, this is – I don't want to make this about race, but, you know, you've got, uh, you've got people from Asia in, in, uh, in Washington, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I mean, have you noticed like – I think uh, definitely with Chinese ladies, I think with Japanese ladies, like they are almost always wearing a hat everywhere. Right. Yes, absolutely. And the bucket hat. The bucket hat is the classic uh, local hat. 
But have you are you getting this there where like there's a thing that started out as what looks like a tennis visor with except the visor is like made out of sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you've got oh, like you've got sure. a thing you put on, and then there's like a polarized, uh, translucent plastic thing that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so I, I noticed. I feel like I noticed over time that those were getting bigger. Yeah. Until they oh, were, you're, you're, oh, right. So that they okay. go from well, ear to thing. ear now? Well, yeah. well, here's the thing. Yeah, they got bigger and bigger because, you know, if you like a little protection, let's try a little more protection. Do you get Chinese ladies wearing what looks like a welding mask now? Have you seen this? You so know, imagine, imagine, no, it's kind of hot. I'm not going to lie. But imagine mm-hmm. like a 65 year old woman and she's wearing what looks like that same kind of like a big piece of sunglasses yeah. that covers. Her like entire all the face. way over her face. She can still breathe fine from what I can gather. Right. But I think it must provide a surpassing level of sun protection. It's part of the overall sort of Blade Runnerification of, oh, yeah. of West Coast cities. I think you're right. Right there. And, I, and, and I, umbrellas. And I, there's a lot of umbrellas. A lot of, a lot of <laughs> Chinese ladies carry umbrellas, too. I feel like there is a, I feel like there is some, some kind of thing that is being communicated on a global <laughs> scale. Where people are saying, I'm going to do my part to make this urban dystopia extra trippy. Let it begin with me. That's right. Like, uh, it, you, it, no one person can make any downtown area super trippy on their own. Right. They just make it a little weird and awkward. If you're standing in an intersection throwing rice at birds mm-hmm. and you're the only one doing that, like that's it's not going like, to have a, a you know that's not going to have an effect on actually creating a dystopia because you're obviously just just a loon, right? If, but if somebody's throwing rice at birds and a big guy in a wool jacket walks by in a lady hat, and then across <laughs> the street there's a Chinese lady with the welding mask on, and you get this guy over here, <laughs> you got the two over here, we got the soup. <laughs> pretty soon you are creating a Blade Runner tableau uh-huh. that no one person could have done. God, it's such a good point. Because here's the thing about Blade Runner. Here's the thing about any future vision. is like we remember as people who saw it around the time it came out as being about space Mm. and spaceships and flying cars. And so you say, that's how do you make this more Blade Runner? You're going to say maybe flying cars or maybe the Voight-Kampf test. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what most people would say. Uh, That's what I would say. But can I I toss out a few other bullet points for you? Okay. Yes, please do. Uh, Carrying around around umbrellas, Uh right? Uh Wearing hats. Clear plastic clothing. Street food. Right. Origami Uh, or making things out of matchsticks. People, people, right? Well, like, like street vendor carts, but that are actually practicing medicine. Riding bicycles in the dark. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of zooming in on photos. Yeah, that's right. Punk rockers. Hard, hard copies. You'll There's, notice in, in any crowded street scene, there are yes. punk rockers. And you get, you, but then you also get all the way down to like, was it like a square glass with giant ice cubes? Like you square get an artisanal bar in Portland. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, here's what I'm trying to get at. And I'm sorry, because I think I really am literally getting sick. Is the devil's I think in the it, details. Yes, absolutely. I think everybody has something to contribute to this. Just because you have a rocket car, don't have a rocket car, does not mean that you're not welcome. Just because your skin may not be the smoothest does not mean we don't have a role for you as a police henchman. That's there's, right. There's, there, there are plenty of things. There's dust all over the place. I think everybody is bringing a little bit to the Blade Runner party today. I don't think anybody could have predicted that uh, That uh, I'm sitting here doing uh, some kind of radio show. 
But the key elements are that my desk is covered with guitar picks that have Jonathan Colton's face on them, and I have an orange bell from a 1970s uh, uh, dice rolling game. What is that, Millborns? What is that from? That's <laughs> not from Millborns. Is it Clue? What's, from, what's the no, one with the orange bell? I should know Yahtzee. this. Yahtzee. No, no. I don't remember either. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's, the, it's the accumulation of small, like, worn detritus that makes any uh futurescape look real and so every day i try to have at least one element uh of my on my person where if if it's a panning shot of a street scene and i'm just walking from one place to another (laughs) the fact that i have like a leather bag with an like a visible octopus sticking out of it <laughs> is the element that's going to stick in some future kid's mind where he's like, I saw that panning shot and it seemed, you know, and did you see the guy in the suit with the octopus? No, everybody back? does that. It was yeah. dusty. Yeah. And it's just like there, the first time I went to Morocco, I was walking uh, through the, uh, the Medina in Fez and a guy walks by me in a, in a, in a three piece suit and he's carrying uh, two live chickens by their feet. Okay, and I was like, "I am here. I am here now." Like, oh, I they, in, they got the they got the set dressing right. Yeah, this is this. I mean, before that, when it was like a bunch of guys in jalops, jalapas with the like pulling donkeys with uh, like sticks tied to the backs You're of them. Saying or words now. <laughs> I was always like, oh, I mean, you know, I'm walking through, and I'm like, sure, of course, right. right. I'm in a foreign country, right? Sure. But then the guy in the three piece suit with the two chickens, two live chickens by their feet, I was like, okay. Oh, oh I missed the three piece suit part. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Three piece suit, so two they were, live they chickens. Like, they were business chickens. It was, he's a business guy. He's coming home from work or he's going. So it was the, you know, it was the middle of the afternoon and he's like, Oh, I need to get some dinner. And I'm going to go. My wife grab, asked me to pick up some live chickens, <laughs> pick up a couple of chickens. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, and that's the thing. He's just going about his day. The rest of the people were, were there because it's like, Oh, we're setting a Moroccan scene. So we got to have a, we got to have a little old man with pointy shoes. Drawing a, a, a mule through the street. You're going to want some carpets that are hanging up. Mm-hmm. That's You're right. You're going to want baskets. There should you, you, be a snake probably somewhere. <laughs> meat, meat is burning on spits. Whether or not but, it is actually culturally appropriate, uh, some women should be ululating. Mm, I think mm, that might be peculiar mm. to Iran. And I think it's, it's certain, all. It, but it's, ululating became our vision of the Middle East at one point. Yeah, it's it was not happening in Morocco. No, but the but the guy with the suit and the chickens, nobody would have thought to include him. Right, he just was himself, and he is the uh, that's the detail that makes that made it real. And I was like, I actually am here now. This is not a this is not a Truman Show situation because no one would have put this guy here. It's funny you should say that. That comes up a lot on here. Mm-hmm. We end up talking about that a lot. And, and what I was going to say Dude. also is like the Voight Kampf. Like mm. I have to say, the more I watch I, that I, movie, I, I put that test to people all the time. Do you have? I mean, do you have like a portable unit? Uh, I carry what you know. Actually, it's an app. Do you like our owl? <laughs> This episode of Roderick on the Line is once again sponsored by our friends at Squarespace.com. And boy, do we have big news for you, because Squarespace 7 has just hit the streets, and brother, is it ever great. It's still the only one platform for making your own website, portfolio, or online store. But Squarespace 7 now makes everything you love about them even simpler and easier to use, while still retaining all that power and sophistication you've come to expect from the Squarespace platform. First off, Squarespace 7 unclutters your workspace. It stays out of your way while you work. 
That means you can now add or edit content. You can tweak your designs all in one window. You've got to see this to believe it. It's really gorgeous. But while streamlining the interface, they've also added a ton of amazing new features. One of my favorites, they've added something called cover pages. This makes it fast and easy to create one of those sexy modern sites where you put tons of useful stuff all on one beautifully arranged page. They also give you a new site editor with a device view that lets you preview how your pages will look at different sizes on things like mobile devices. And there's more. You also now get integration for Google Apps and Getty Images. There's brand new templates, updated mobile apps. Plus, for the nerds out there, you now have access to Squarespace's robust development platform, which gives you deeply geeky control of your site's code. There's a lot to see here, guys. This is an all-in-one platform that's now even more all-in-one-er. I guess they're just going to have to run with that. But I'll tell you what hasn't changed. You still get 24 by 7 support. The plan still start at $8 a month, and you still get a free domain name when you sign up for a year. To learn more and sign up for your free trial account, please do yourself a favor and visit squarespace.com. And when you're ready to buy, please tell them you heard about it from your pals here at Roderick on the Line. Because as a listener of this program, you get 10% off anything you buy by using the very special offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout. Our congratulations to everybody at Squarespace for this dynamite new release. And thanks very much for their continued support of Roderick on the Line. We could not do it without us. <laughs> Man. Man. She, was, she was handsome in that movie. A lot of good-looking uh, things in that movie. But... Um... But, but the Voight Vo- 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 Kampf. Now, I'm handsome. a terrible judge of character, and I can't tell when anyone is lying, including myself. Right. So I'm not good at that. If I had to face off with, uh, with what was the actor? His name's Delroy Leroy. What was the guy who's staying at the hotel? Yeah, Delroy Leroy. Del- <laughs> Delroy Leroy. The first, <laughs> the first skin job they talked to. I don't want to work ping pong. Yeah, yeah Leroy. What's his name? <laughs> I should know his name. Len- I can't Leonard. Le- Leonard. Le- Le- <laughs> Leonard the skin job. Yeah, Leonard the skin job. When they're talking to him. Yeah, like, he's I getting don't... pretty hostile. He doesn't yeah. like the questions. He that guy, like the the, uh, the, uh, the tester guy had a much bigger role uh, originally, and a lot of his stuff got cut out. That's too bad. I think that he was... was also, Brady's Bits, I think he was also <laughs> maybe the original choice uh, for uh, for the Rick uh, Deckard uh, part, part. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, and that there's, was... there's one version where you can see him in like a space iron lung after he's gotten beaten up by uh, Delroy Leroy. Well, how many? I mean, I know there are already six versions of Blade Runner, but which versions are you four, watching? Uh, there's at least four discrete versions, I think. Yeah, there's the director's cut. There's the actual director's cut. There's the deluxe yeah, well, there's edition. The, I know there's at least. I mean, I'm not even going to begin to get into this, but I, the ones I've owned, I've owned three. Mm-hmm. I've owned the original one. Yeah. Uh, uh, w- you know, with the voiceover that Harrison Ford really didn't want to do, and it shows. Right. Because, you know, when you start adding voiceovers to stuff, the voiceovers are like R2 dramas as laugh tracks are to comedy. You know, they're, they're there because it, the material was not where it needed to be. And, yeah, but and, I was convinced by I was convinced by the voiceover the first time I, I heard it. I was fine with it until I heard it without, and I was like, "Oh, it's like watching Mash without the laugh track." It's like a, the show is twice as good without the laugh track. But anyhow, uh, there's that version in right. 1999, probably the second DVD I ever bought. Third DVD, the first DVD I bought was Rushmore. Second DVD I bought was uh, the Radiohead movie, and mm-hmm. the third one was that's a real picker upper. That's fun to watch on a plane. You see people having seizures all over the plane. Uh, and then the uh, the third one, I think, was the director's cut of uh-huh. Blade Runner, which was apparently, turns out, not really such a director's cut. It, but it see? was the famous one, you know, that hinted more pointedly at the 
at the sequel. Ultimate vision of the of the maestro. Yeah, they started that yeah. in the Unicorn Dream and stuff like that. Yeah, Unicorn Dream. The one that I will recommend to listeners, as far as I know, uh, the, the one that's really good came out a couple years ago. I believe it's called The Final Cut. Oh, really? Which seemed also, a little bit optimistic, given the way that for, these things go. For a long time, my favorite Pink, Pink Floyd, Floyd record. And maybe... Was it the one after? Uh, the one day, was took a cruiser one? with all hands. You wow! You wow! Mm. I should listen to more Pink Floyd. I really, really should. I know like three and a half. I know four Pink Floyd records, but it's really I know three full records and two half records. Yeah, and I should hear more. I should hear more. I think I should listen to more Animals. Is my sense? I think that Pink Floyd was a very talented band. And uh, I feel that they uh, contributed a lot to music and to guitar playing in particular, but also to like dramatic. They really, they really made it safe to be super dramatic in your music. Mm, yeah, and, no, uh, they're, they're good and for, I approve of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're good for lots of reasons. They're good because there's a lot of times where they're really, really good. And they mm-hmm. succeed at what they sought out to do. Mm-hmm. They're also good at something that makes people so angry and provoked that they react to it, mm-hmm. you know, which, uh, you know, say what you will about Gary Glitter. But, you know, I think it's stuff like him that made people want to make punk rock. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but uh, but also I was watching, speaking of Blade Runner, I was watching, have you seen the uh, documentary Yodorovsky's Dune? Mm, no. This is a very important film. I won't go into this too much, but um, – but uh, basically, Alejandro Jodorowsky, who did these monkey balls films in the early 70s, uh, almost made Dune. He spent two and a half years trying to make Dune. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to talk about it because you've either seen this documentary three times like I have or you haven't seen it. I don't want to spoil it for you. But I think you should see it. But one of the things he did, in addition you know to – I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, you know please. that I have never seen the movie Dune, nor have I read the book Dune. Yeah, I keep dancing around it. I mean, I've seen the movie, and the thing is, it's once you watch this documentary, Dune, which is already not a great movie, it's mm. a very interesting movie. It is, in the words of uh, my favorite podcast, The Flophouse, it's a good, bad movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's really enjoyable, even with all of its faults. And I, I think originally David Lynch did an Alan Smithy on it. I think he was originally so unhappy with what the studio wanted and given his resources and stuff anyway. But, um, but anyway, it's a very fascinating story. And, uh, and so he spent two and a half years on this and you know, the nut of it is if you watch the trailer, you'll get all this out of the trailer, which is basically the team that he put together to make Dune, um, is it became some of the most influential people in the world of sci-fi oh. movies like Dan O'Bannon, uh, HR Giger and, uh, Geiger. Is, how that, do you say is that, is that how you say it? Giger? Uh, HR Giger. I, I would, I've always said Geiger, H. R. but Geiger. I've, never, I've never heard it pronounced. I guess I just, it's one of those words that you read and you just say it how you, you, you feel. Know, almost all the names in this I say wrong. Also, uh, Salvador Dali. Uh, Dali. Salvador Dali was going to be the emperor. <clears throat> that would have been cool. Yep. Keith Carradine was on board for it. And, um, and Yodorovsky had his 12-year-old son, 10-year-old son, 12-year-old son, trained for two and a half years in martial arts so that he could play Paul Atreides. Anyway, but, and they also brought but none a, of this happened. No, well, what happened? And you know, just tell, now, I'm just resetting no, don't, a, a documentary. Yeah, don't, don't, don't tell me about it. I'll, I'll watch the documentary. I like documentaries. I think you'd like it, though. I think you'd like. It's about a guy who's incredibly passionate about changing the world, but can't get his shit done. Wow. I mean, I, let me rephrase That's, that. That I hits a little it. close to home. <laughs> a little bit on, a little bit on the nose, Yodo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do sound dusky. 
You do. You do. I like it, though. It's, uh, it makes me feel like, uh, you know, anything that humanizes you a little bit, Merlin, and takes you out of the realm of the, of the God sphere. Right. You know, like it just, I think I speak on behalf of all of, of your fans when I say that. Thank you. We just put you up. Yeah. Up there in Valhalla. <clears throat> it's complicated because obviously Valhalla? I, I have Valhalla. <laughs> I, I don't think I know how to pronounce anything. It's like when you start thinking about having a tongue in your mouth while you're eating and then you can't swallow. You know, same thing. Don't think your of an tongue? Elephant. Someone else's tongue? You never thought of that? Don't start thinking about your tongue. I'm not going to start now. You don't? No. <laughs> Too late to start now. Yeah. No, I think I definitely belong in a certain pantheon, but it's nice to see me taking down a peg sometimes. Yeah, it really is. Sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, Merlin Mann, it's got a little bit of a dusky voice. It feels like, oh, he's just like us. Hey, he just, Merlin he, Mann, I can get sick. <laughs> he puts his utila kilt on one uh, <laughs> opening at a time. <laughs> I have been thinking a lot lately <clears throat> about, I know that this is, you know, I don't like to, I don't like to break the fourth wall, and I'm not going to do it now. But I've been oh, thinking God. a lot lately about Super Train. Oh, okay. And I feel like uh, I feel like it's um, I, I feel like we have a we we have not fleshed out the 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 interim processes processes <laughs> between now and Super Train. Right? People people right. are people are leaping leaping to Super Train. And you can't leap to Super Train. You have to. It's a ladder, hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, I, I I suppose. I mean, I think I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like a hockey stick curve, right? Where there's going to be build up you don't notice for years, and by the time you're aware of what's going on, there's going to be a big fucking train going by, and then we'll it's going to be too late. But what happens that, on the hockey stick? Yeah, Ask that's exactly that. right. And and this is and this is the thing. Like you you start to see you start to see welding helmets as as fashion accessories. Uh, at being pioneered suddenly, by suddenly lots of men in cafes are wearing terry cloth kangles uh-huh. and you're just like what's going on what is happening around me i'm uh, uh, but it's it's all you know it's all of a piece um and you know you know about me that i'm always trying to solve the homeless problem i'm always i'm always trying to revolutionize our mental health uh programs you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm trying to make I'm trying to make the world a better place. You're, you're always you're trying to connect people. That's you're right. Try, you're trying to help people understand the importance of of living freely in a world of ideas. That's right. That's right. I'm trying. But mostly, to, you're trying to help the homeless problem. That's, that's what I'm, I get from you most of the time. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to make uh you know pre K uh music education more equitable from a social justice standpoint. But really, I'm trying to solve the homeless problem. And I'm trying to, you know, and I'm trying to solve the, the, the mental health problem that's, that's endemic in America, right? The, it's, the, uh, it's the fallout from one flew over the cuckoo's nest. We, we, closed, we closed all the asylums because we didn't like Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> and now, uh, now the streets are, are crawling with people who need more help than they're getting. And all we're doing is putting band-aids on it. We can't solve the we can't solve the problem because we have disempowered ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think you, I do. You live in San Francisco. I do. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the most of the band-aids are donated and we're low on them. And there's, there's literally <laughs> poop everywhere and a man who uh stands in the uh, street throwing rice at birds. Yeah. I think it's his, it's as it's as current as today's headlines. If you try to put a band-aid on on that guy, you're going to get a face the, full of fucking rice. 
well, you're going to get a face full of rice and then somebody's going to, then, you know, you're not going to have filled out the right forms and, you know, it's going to end up being, uh, you're, you're going to end up being subpoenaed, not the guy throwing rice at the birds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I see. I go in, I try to help. I lend a helping hand and pretty soon I'm, I'm the one who's being, uh, trotted down to district court because I forgot to fill out, uh, the right. That's form. right. That's right. You can't just go helping people freelance. That'll teach me. That'll teach you. So what are you thinking about? What's the interim? Well, you know, I've always been a proponent of... So we, we just legalized the marijuana here mm-hmm. in uh, Seattle. And it feels like we're, we're sort of tottering down this, ro- uh, this road where there, there were certain neighborhoods. There's a neighborhood that I drive through on the way home that had already appointed itself the medical marijuana neighborhood. Because we, we passed the medical marijuana law several years ago. And those dispensaries were, you know, you had to have a card or something. You had to claim that you had glaucoma. What a clusterfuck. And then you could go into these little, like, like dispensaries that, that had green crosses that looked like European pharmacies, and you could get your pot in there. But it was all still, like... It basically, it became, like, a, like, what? Like, a cross between, like, a government office, a methadone clinic, and a dive bar. Yeah, where like right. you could just go in there and go, you know, oh, hey, you know, Doctor Nick gave me this note, you know, <laughs> give me my uh, Matanuska Thunderfuck, right? And, but those, but the law that just legalized pot in Washington had all these caveats, like it couldn't be within fifteen miles of a school, and it couldn't be within a hundred and fifty miles of a church or something like that. And so, so somebody made a map where they, you know, they drew they drew circles around all the schools and all the places that you weren't allowed to have a pot dispensary close to. And the circles all overlapped. So there were only like four tiny little places in the city where you could even, where you could even remotely build uh, a pot store. And like two of them were at the bottom of a, of an iron smelter. And one of them was in the middle of the bay. And so, so we've got these, these neighborhoods that were like, we're pot dispensary neighborhoods, and those places still exist and seem to be doing a thriving business. But now we're opening pot, legal pot stores where just any guy can go in and get some pot. But of course, the, the, one, the one on Capitol Hill that just opened was, at, turns out, next door to a church. Next door to a church with a very vocal oh. minister who is having big demonstrations in the street that he doesn't want. Why did they put the pot store next to our church? And answer in, in his estimation, because they are a black church right? Right. and the city doesn't give a, give a, give a hoot. And he's like, well, why wouldn't you put this? He wouldn't put this pot store next to the Episcopal church. And in that sense, he is very right. They would not do that. But it makes me feel like we're trying to, we're trying to accomplish a kind of uh, a kind of distribution of like low level sin that I really feel like would be would be better for everybody and more exciting certainly if we just concentrated it in sin cities <clears throat> like a like a cross between like a strip mall and a stadium where you can you get high and buy guns and and porn and stuff. But I feel like I feel like a, not, sin, a sin concentration. 
I, a sin concentration, let's say, but but let's let's not call it a sin concentration, concentration camp. camp. No, that'd be too far. Yeah. But like, so so we used to have Las Vegas, where a normal person could go, and it and it seemed like the kind of rules were suspended there, and it wasn't. You didn't have to be rich to go there. You could just be a schmo and go to Las Vegas, and it was and and it was dirty, in the in the right ways, and you could get your like. You could get your dirty times on, right? But Las Vegas realized that if they Disneyfied themselves, then they could bring families there, and it and so they cleaned up Las Vegas and they made the dirty, you know, they 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 put a cap on how dirty they would let it be. Like if and you want that stuff, go downtown. If you want to be on the main part of the strip, like you've got to really buck up. Like they, they're cleaning up the streets. The cops are there, and they're saying like we're going to bring in more money if we uh, if we make this like Pirates of the Caribbean. Exactly, and, and and what they've also done then is they've raised the threshold of dirty, so that now vaguely dirty stuff, namely gambling and drinking and sin and whatever, is like considered a family activity. <laughs> but as long as it's just as long as it doesn't go all the way over into um, like total vice, right? So Vegas has compressed the spectrum of like allowable dirty, and that's true kind of in in meat space all around uh, America. It's like they, they've social engineered sin, right? They, they've like they've done some kind of like um, compressor limiter mm-hmm. where you know you may not be able to go out and get like a Peruvian dwarf delivered, but right. like if you want to go out and like, but you can bring your kids to. Like a, a place game. where he plays an elf. <laughs> Not in a mean right. way. Right, sure. Or, you know, he plays an elf while dad is uh while dad is playing the slots and mom is smoking cigarettes and drinking unlimited uh watered down water drinks. drinks. Yeah. So it's not it's not nice there, but it's 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 not dirty enough that you keep the kids out. And I think that is depriving us, you know, uh, I I look across the street at my neighbor's skeeter and and uh and, and Vandura or whatever. And I'm like, these guys are chronic alcoholics. All they want to do is drink. And they and the city is full of them. And our only response to people like that is either to try and get them help, which they don't which they don't want, or lock them up when they when they commit a crime. Like right. we wait for them to commit a crime and then we lock them up. And what they really want is just to be in a place where, honestly, where drinking all day is considered kind of normal, and they and they can and they construct. Why did you see this as a public service? Well, you know, they construct a kind of mini world for each other. Mm-hmm. They glom onto each other, where it's like, I like to drink all day. So do you. We're not weirdos. Like it's not. I mean, it's not the best thing. But it's not the worst you thing. Want to, you want to concentrate things mm-hmm. like you know, substance abuse is such an ugly word, but being yeah. able to be fucked up all day. But that's okay in this neighborhood. Uh, maybe the housing is a little bit less expensive. <laughs> I think what you're describing is a ghetto. Well, but here's the thing: if you, <laughs> what's going to elevate it? If you make it, if you if you get it out of town, <laughs> right? You go out to one of those farm towns where all the kids graduated from high school and got the fuck out of there because the farming had been mechanized. There were no jobs left. Mm-hmm. And dad was like, don't leave. You know, who's going to fix the tractor? And the kid's like, bye, dad. I'm going to Hollywood to be a fucking dancer or whatever. And so you got these great little towns that have 50 square miles of nothing around them. 
low occupancy, lots of places you can move into. That's right. Pick a place like that and say, all right, it's a, it's kind of a, kind of a, a free, free zone, a little bit of a border town. And you combine a kind of burning man aspect to it where it's like, this is going to be more or less a self-governing place. And there's going to be a lot of economic opportunity here because Especially under the under the stewardship of Mayor Skeeter, right? Because cigarettes are going to be cheap here. Roll your own, yeah. You know, and we're gonna we're going to apply a little bit of the like independent nation status of Indian reservations to this place. (laughs) We're going to give a a certain amount of autonomy to everything that happens within this fifty mile radius. And of course, there's still, you know, it's still going to be under federal auspices to the sen- in the sense that you can't murder somebody there but but more or less it's going to be it's going to be like a spaceport border town like a deliberate deadwood a deliberate deadwood it's a kind of and, it takes a certain kind of pioneer spirit you could go off the grid a little bit there's still a grid you know right. they're going to need ways to uh like you know recharge their vaping pens Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's still, it's a, it is a, uh, it's a, mo- it's, still, it's a modern society in most, most senses. It's a modern society and, 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 uh, and, you know, like normal rules apply in the sense that you will be able to buy and sell property. You will be, your credit card will work there. Although there may be a certain amount, there might, there may have to be a certain amount of special currency. Yeah. Where, Re- where some you, kind of a reservation script. Yeah. Where you buy, you buy a, a, a company store. Script, but you know we're so fascinated by Deadwood and Game of Thrones, where we we are voyeuristically watching societies where there there's there's more freedom simply because there's less institutional control. We watch these TV shows and we're like, oh wow, you know they they appeal to us in part because we are romanticizing. A time when, like, shit was running in the in the gutters, right? Right. We're romantic. I mean, the thing that you never, when you're watching Game of Thrones, the thing that you never realize is that those Nights Watch guys smell like shit, right? Everybody in that show would smell like shit, and we're watching it. We're just like, oh, this just why is this so appealing to me? And it's appealing because people are living by much more basic rules. And it's, it's, it definitely seems simpler. Mm-hmm. Not just in like some kind of like uh, Amish sense, but in the sense it's less complicated. Mm-hmm. But I think when people fantasize being in those things, as with people at like Ren Fairs or whatever, or not Ren Fairs, but you know, I, I don't know much about the LARPing community, but like mm-hmm. I don't, I wonder how many people like want to be Bedbug Boy. <laughs> I think most people want to be the king and have the turkey leg. I, you know, I think a lot of, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of appeal to being just a, just a wench. You know what I mean? Um, simpler times. Simpler times because because There's less wench shaming. Well, and you also have no responsibilities, and that's what Skeeter is looking for. That's what so many people in the city are looking for, mm. and they want to have no responsibilities. And we're already, as a society, spending tens, hundreds of millions of dollars sending sending out the paramedics. Every 10 days when Skeeter thinks he's having a heart attack <laughs> and we are, you know, pouring money into social services and these guys are kind of, you know, they're on parole for their p- 
hot bust, and so they have to come in every ten days and do a urinalysis test. Oh, and, right. You got to go to the, the the parole officer. You got to pay for the ankle thing. Like, there's a lot just, of costs to society. A ton of costs yeah. to society. Where we're not. Have you ever seen one of those ankle monitors on Game of Thrones? I don't think you. so. No, you either have ankle chains and you're in a dungeon. You're lucky to have and, a foot. And somebody's flaying you, or you're running free covered with shit. Yeah. Which is how we're meant to be. And I just, I feel like if there was a way that we could just re-envision it a little bit where we say we're spending these resources already. And so on behalf of society, we're going to open a sin town in every state Every state, we already, have a, we already have a state prison in every state. Let's open a state sin town where it's subsidized. Like housing is subsidized for, for certain, you know, certain percentage of the people. Oh. And it's just a place where you can go and kind of stay fucked up if you want. And you can go and just, you know, the... the Normal rules don't apply. The expectation, the decorum rules are different. And you just get to go be your, your, your dirty dog. You get to be a mud duck there. <laughs> and people, there will be people that go there on the weekend, but there will be people that choose to live there. And right. it's, not a, it's not a situation where you we're busing people there. It's just a situation where it's like, hey, guess what? Over there, like outside of Soap Lake now in Washington, there's a town where you can do whatever the fuck you want. It combines so many elements of classic American um, history and society. I mean, it's a yep. little bit like uh, Pleasure Island from yep. Pinocchio. It's just, let's be honest, it's a little bit like a jail. It's kind of yes. like a ghetto. Uh -huh. It's sort of like an enforced Las Vegas. What it is is it's a, it's a frontier, Mm, frontier. It it is a it is an artificial frontier because we have run out of frontiers. Now you're talking artificial right? frontier. Hey, guess what, you guys? We found a new frontier. That's right. We should totally live there on the new frontier. Will they play a lot of uh, Donald Fagan, Steely Dan? Uh, are frontier you fucking town? kidding me? Of course they will. You, they'll be playing Donald Fagan everywhere, or at least on but, the bus ride there. But you know, like when I when I think about going to Burning Man. Which I every year think about for one and a half minutes. But the appeal of going to Burning Man is like, right, they, these are utopians and they have created a frontier like society and it's a new frontier, right? It's not, they're, 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 it's, it is a kind of anything goes with an eye to the future. And I know that the people that run Burning Man and that think about Burning Man and are part of that culture are trying to imagine a way to make a Burning Man town. They want it desperately. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like the people that are running Burning Man, I know for a fact, are driving through Winnemucca, Nevada and thinking, how hard... Why, why can't it, it be like this all the time? Right. How hard would it be if we just came into Winnemucca and just took it over? Like right. the people that are in Winnemucca right now are going to be like the are going to be like the the lumberjacks and the auto workers in the eighties, and they'll be like, "Wait a minute, you can't just ever." They'll be like the Palestinians, probably. You can't just come in here and take our land. And so, the, so in this book, and the the Winnemuccans will be like, "This is the land that our forefathers gave us," and there it'll be an amazing 
That'll be a it'll, it'll be an amazing little uh, intractable uh, war. Nobody the- said it was going to be easy to move out to the new frontier. <laughs> but that's you know they the Burning Man people are they are really I swear I feel it in the I feel it vibrating in the air. They want to now build a civilization, and really every state should have one. Right. The thing the thing is that the, the one of the many ways that Burning Man is like Las Vegas is you get to look forward to going. You get to be um, this uh, certain version of yourself that you're kind of excited about for a while, and then you get to leave. That's mm-hmm. the thing. I love – nothing makes me happier than driving to the airport in Las Vegas because I am so – I haven't told you this before, but like, like for the first hour I'm in Las Vegas, like it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. The first night there, pretty fun. But after like maybe two and a half days, I'm really ready to leave. I can't stand Las Vegas. I can't. When I see the lights of Las Vegas looming yeah. in the, in the distance, I my heart starts to beat faster, and I'm just like, please, please, God, let me get through this town without starting smoking it's again. Like this, oh God, it's like the civic version of a, a vagina dentata. It's just sitting there waiting for you. We were there but, for my daughter's first birthday. We had to we had to go through a smoky casino to get to our room, and I just remember thinking, what? this doesn't seem wholesome. No, you go to Bellagio. <laughs> it's a nice place. You got to go through the casino to get to the hotel. That's how it works. Of course works. you do. Of course and you do. And it's almost impossible. You can't see any signage. There's no clocks. It's very dark. And everybody's wearing uh, wearing fucking cutoffs and drinking out of giant cups. Mm-hmm. Coors Light. But I'm. But you and I are the type of people who would go to our our state sin city, mm-hmm. uh, our frontier town, if you will. We would go there for a weekend, and then we'd be like, uh, I don't know, I'm oh, so not so it's sure okay, about It's that. okay to just stop in for a while. Or maybe, you know, I would be open. I don't know if they'd have anything that I could share with them, any wisdom, but I would be very happy to go in and, and uh, be some kind of an adjunct professor in Pioneer Town. What's it called? New Frontier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, each state could name their own Frontier Town. Oh, and it could be regional, like a sports ball team. But, you know, you think about all the people, like, I have been over the years uh, radicalized in terms of being an advocate for sex workers, right? You, you, you meet enough people who do... I didn't know that. S- Good for you. Well, you know, I, I mean, I live, grew up on Capitol Hill here where a lot of the people I knew and some of the people that I was in relationships with were also in the sex trades. <laughs> and, um, and hearing them talk about it, I mean, it's, it's obviously very complicated and everybody has their own path through it historically not very sympathetic well because there are because the people who want to live in virtue city Mm -hmm. cannot even abide the idea that it's happening somewhere anywhere in the world right you know not in my backyard and so i mean so sin city would not just be a place where people would go and be chronic alcoholics it would be a place where all kinds of commerce was happening that the, because Seattle, for years and years, said you cannot have a titty bar that also serves alcohol. If you're going to have dancers, oh, I remember that. You have to drink Pepsi Cola. I think I had to buy like a twenty dollar Pepsi. At one yeah, of those you have places. to buy a twenty dollar Pepsi, and then you know, and and it's just like coming from Alaska, of course, where alcohol and naked dancing was maybe the after oil and fish, maybe the third biggest economic driver. That's unfortunate. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. Oil, fish, and, and beer. <laughs> but, you know, in Seattle, this was a way to try and keep our neighborhood safe or whatever. And it's just like, come on. Yeah. Uh, 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 you're, you're, you're nanny stating yourself into a situation where, um, where you're, just, a, you're re- just being ridiculous. 
And so, anyway, Sin Sin City, Sin City out, Pioneer Town, just o- just Frontier over the mountains, so just over there, just far enough right? away. Just it's almost, a little, it's a little bit, bit like a landfill, though, right? You want a far enough away that you can't like you have to deal with it and smell it. Well, but and that works for that works for both parties, right? Yes. It's far they, enough they, away. They get a buffer. They get a buffer from the normals, right? Mom's exactly. not going to be popping in to make sure you don't have bed bugs. Yeah, and you can somewhat control access by virtue of it just being a little bit off the beaten path, oh, you, right? You, you could protect the citizens by having like a wall around it. Maybe a giant wall, yeah. <laughs> Maybe a giant wall with with some delightful searchlights. Searchlights, and there'd be a way that families could share housing. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. got uh, lots to recommend it. <laughs> well, um, and then, and then the, 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 the adjunct to that <clears throat> is that every town should have, or every state, I think, should have a kind of Arcada, hmm. where I don't think I know what that is. Um, is that a garden or an Arcadia? I guess there's an I in that word. Oh, that's okay. I like Arcade. Arcade is a great name for that community. Arcade is pretty nice. I but one I'm of talking them would about be in, one of them would be an Arcadum. I think uh, I, I'm talking about a place <laughs> maybe that was a former convent or perhaps even a former mental institution. Hot. That is now repurposed as a mental institution, a place on a on with some rolling hills, a a, a calm respite, mm. where people who are troubled can go live and be under a doctor's care. I can't believe nobody's ever thought of these before. Right? Right? Yeah. Well, it's kind of a novel idea. So it's a very modern take on an old problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a place where people who are struggling to live amongst other people mm-hmm. can go have a have a break. That's kind of like the, college. From the stresses of that's right. From the stresses of modern life and and benefit from all the new developments that we've made in psychopharmacology. John, there's so many expectations from other people. You don't get to pick other people's expectations, and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Could be expectation town. It's a place where nobody expects <laughs> you to do fucking anything. <laughs> exactly. This is and, and and I feel like there's some kind of of like Quaker Protestant idea that it runs through America. Where we expect everybody to fucking do something. And there are some people that we should just not expect anything of. Right. They get to go live in Arcadum. Caleb, yeah. where, where, where is thy chair? Yeah. I have not made a chair, Father. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving to Arcadum. Liza, there's a hole in the bucket. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I, got a, I, got a, I got a thought technology on this, and this is, this is where super uh, old-fashioned Midwestern Merlin comes out. But yes. I, here's the thing. Like, I, I love old-fashioned Merlin <laughs> with his straw hat and his, <laughs> his weathered overalls with one strap hanging. <laughs> Time was. A man could live in an institution and still draw salary. Yeah, that's the only place in which a person could legitimately be named Merlin. <laughs> Here he comes. What's your boy? What you gonna name your boy? He don't, thinking, he don't make no chairs. I'm thinking Merlin. Here's the thing. I, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm very interested with one of these civic ideas that mm-hmm. on the face of it, 100% makes sense, but I'm not sure stands to reason. Oh, and that's okay. what you're describing here, which is, let's call it the radius problem. 
Okay, so like for example, if you're a registered sex offender in California, which for which you could be on that list. Do you know this? Do you know you can be a registered sex offender if you were convicted of public urination? Whoa, really? Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. So, so you George can go to Maps Michael, and find out a registered sex offender in California. Say again. Is George Michael a registered sex offender in California? I think uh, I'm not a jurist, but I'm pretty sure they just went ahead and put him on the list everywhere just as a precaution. I think they have a basic kind of filler list whenever they're starting up a program like that. I don't know if this is a Megan's Law thing. Here's all I'm going to say about this is that you can go and like look at a map in a neighborhood and find out where with pictures and addresses like where registered sex offenders live. And I think in this way you're describing, this may not be the perfect place to start with this example, but you're not allowed to live within so many feet of a school. Within right. so many feet, you know, in this case, you're saying, okay, you're going to have this phony baloney pot dispensary. Like that can't be too near a church. Can't be. What about guns? Can you buy guns? Oh, no, no, no. You can't have a gun. You can't have guns that are too near a school. You can't right. have guns and so on and so forth. And there's all kinds of things like this, liquor stores, all of those different things. Now, I don't have an answer to this, but, but what goes through my mind is like, um, I think almost anything excluding the per- people who have to find someplace to live, but like, you know, for all of those things, like, the idea that like there's some places where it's okay for these things there's either here's the problem there's either a problem with the idea that churches can't shouldn't what is the problem with churches having guns nearby if we like guns as a society why the fuck can't we be selling them everywhere if we like pot why can't we be ever i think it's very indicative of something that is a real on the bubble kind of issue right it's not something that's going to be illegal but it's not something that's super legal it's not something you can just do everywhere and i think it's interesting when you look at whether that's that's titty bars or gambling or any of that stuff it's interesting to me how you decide to parse what's allowed to be near that and maybe there are new angles here maybe we could find out that the church people are actually super into guns but they don't want the pot maybe you could do something like carbon offset credits where you could move your thing someplace else you could do a trade with one of the other neighborhoods i'm not saying that we shouldn't do frontierville but I think it's very interesting to go like, well, you know, there's some stuff that like almost nobody wants in their backyard. And maybe that's when your backyard really literally becomes Arcadum and all, we have the gun stores and the titty bars and you just go out there on kind of like a uh, chartered bus. But I'm very interested in anything with a radius because to me that shows ambivalence about whether it's a good idea at all. Well, and I, I, that was a I lot think, of thoughts. No, I think you've, I think you've hit the, the nail on the head that if you surveyed the entire population of any size city – you would find that the number of behaviors that passed muster with every single person were incredibly small because there are going to be people in one part of town who think that disciplining your kid with a ruler is an essential part of the oh, the way that you conduct business. That's a and good there, point. That's a complicated Venn diagram. Like, what are, are there three things that everybody thinks should be legal all the time everywhere? Yeah, there are people who are, there are people who take their shoes off on the bus. There are people who think people who take their shoes off on the bus should be in jail. There are people that talk on the phone in restaurants. There are people who think that those people should be in jail. And when you when you get down to the to the nitty gritty of what we all agree on, it's like beats the shit out of me, frankly. I mean, there's always somebody in any situation who's offended. And these big picture things like drinking, guns, sex, or whatever. I mean, they are they are polarizing. Yeah, drinking drugs, um, something sexy for money, whether that's pornography or, or handies or whatever. Mm-hmm. What are the other kinds of things? Well, I mean, most American cities. I don't know if you've ever been to um, to anywhere in Oklahoma. No, but 
you go to these towns in Oklahoma and there are 600 churches starting, you know, starting back in 1910, they were building churches everywhere. Church, every denomination has 25 different venues. You could, it's just within the, just within the center of town, you know, and that is a, that is, that was a very, uh, like, aggressive effort to build the physical plant of this place and say, like, this is church town. And you, there's not going to be room for bars here. Oh, you, can't, you can't drive down the street without seeing a church everywhere you look, and that is going to be our method of keeping everybody on the straight and narrow. Right. Keep, keep going. Keep driving. You're not stopping right. here. But there are, you know, there are other towns, uh, you know, that that the the one in um, in Iowa that Harvey Danger ended their their last great tour in, where it was just liquor stores and titty bars, and across the river, the town was all churches. They were and they were way ahead of the curve on this. So the yeah, so the two towns like you know had this had this back and forth like churches, bars, liquor stores. And I mean, we're always playing. We're always playing these games with ourselves. But the solution always seems to be that we compress in a Las Vegas style. We com- we com- we use a compressor limiter on what we think is allowed, and then that is that's the way that we're going to find peace with each other. We're we're gonna let we're gonna let everything get a little bit dirty to appease the people who want to just live how they want to live, but we're gonna put a limit on how dirty they can be to appease the people who think that none of us should be able to get away with anything, and it's not working. That it's not actually creating a, a, a city where people feel like we have shared values. You know why? Because it's almost like don't ask, don't tell. Which to somebody seemed like a really good idea in the nineties, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's really it's really unsatisfying to everyone involved. Because what you're describing in, in, with Las Vegas is like you can get away with some stuff here, but we want to make sure nobody who doesn't want to see it sees it. Like there should not be obvious like sex worker people, uh, you know, walking around here. There shouldn't be people hanging out on the streets because they blew all their money on gambling. Like this has to look above board. Right, so but if you go to do that, the concierge you, at the Bellagio and say, "Hey, my daughter's turning one. I want to show her a good time," <laughs> yeah, or like, "I'm really into um, ladies that dress like elephants. You've got any of those? You got a, somebody like that in your Rolodex?" You know what he says? <laughs> <laughs> well, and going you know, down to the King I, Jumbos. The idea, the idea uh, that uh, was uh, put, you know, put out there in the '90s by the. Um, by the Aryan nations that somewhere in North Idaho, they wanted to construct a white homeland. And it was so uh, disgusting to us as a culture, these guys that were up there trying to create a white homeland in North Idaho, that we, we really devoted a lot of resources in terms of FBI and just culturally, you know, like they took a, a lot of bandwidth for a couple of oh, years. Oh, this is kind of like the people who became the kind of uh, what? They, what's the phrase they used to use? Like compound people. Like yeah, exactly right. That whole worry about the Branch Davidian kind of feeling mm-hmm. and the the Hayden Lake uh, white supremacist gangs, and we really, really busted those people down, and in some cases, like 
burned their compounds and killed them by the hundreds. Thanks, Janet Reno. <laughs> because, because, you know, we have these echoes of the Confederacy or whatever. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to secede from the United States. Um, but there is this tremendous desire for for there to still be a frontier like that's really in our dna we want to be able to go out to the edge of town and do whatever the fuck we want Mm -hmm. and until very recently i mean i'm talking very very recently throughout all of human history there was always a place for you to go where you could go to the edge of town and still be considered a citizen right you weren't you 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 lived out kind of by your own rules on the frontier. But when you came back to town, you weren't considered a criminal. Right. And that, that, uh, that territory is gone now. Like even in Alaska, right? I mean, I suppose if you went out to Siberia or you went uh, up the Amazon or something, you could find a place where you could be your own person and come back to town and be... Well, if you were willing to go somewhere where there wasn't a road, I don't know why this makes me think of this, but back in Tallahassee, it it seemed like about every year or so, the city moved out about two miles in one direction or another. And Mm -hmm. it went along, as you say, the arterials. So, you know, you could go another mile up Thomasville Road and there weren't any Publixes anymore and there weren't any more lights. But if you really wanted to go be on your own, you're going to have to go to Georgia and go down a dirt road. Uh (laughs) Right. But eventually... Like within five years, you would be living in the city because where you are now... Like people have moved past that. Now the new pioneers have created someone just somewhere just beyond that, and now you're in just another suburb. Yeah, people keep coming, and and and, and we like to we we think of we think of people that are out on the fringe as wanting to be away from people, but in fact, there 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 is a whole component of human beings who want to both be out on the fringe living more or less by their own rules, but not away from people. They want to come in and go to the bar. They want to be a part of the, of a culture and the culture even, you know, they, they are, they want to to play with others, but they also want to go kind of make their own way. Yeah. And you know, in some ways we've gotten that in a backwards way with air travel, or, you know, with the idea that you could fly to somewhere and be away from your family and under your family's eye, but you could still get back home. Mm-hmm. It's just that it used to be if you made that decision, tell me if I'm wrong, it used to be if you made that decision, it was a lot harder to go back. Right. Or you had to, you know, there there were all kinds of, you couldn't go back to St. Louis and and move back to your family's house. But if you went out to Oregon, you could, you know, you, there was still... Uh, there was still somebody who knew how to play the piano in Oregon, right? It wasn't like you had gone and were living in a in a house made of bark. Or even if you were, you could you could take a uh, you could take your horse in and hear somebody play the piano. And we 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 have started thinking of everybody who wants to live outside as being, you know, kind of criminal. Um, and we're, we've we've criminalized in a way the desire to uh, to not to not live according to the you know the, this like minutia law that we're that we're all sort of like little by little acquiescing to. It definitely makes you seem suspicious. It makes you seem suspicious, and and what we're not recognizing, or I guess what we do recognize in some part of ourselves, is that all the big laws are taken care of. 
right? We've got the we've got the the structure of the law now that uh, we we really don't have um we don't have any gaps in what what the the law stipulates except when new technology invents a new situation where it's like oh we kind of do need a new law to govern this because it didn't exist before but because lawmaking and law enforcing is such a massive business we're we're constantly making new laws smaller and smaller laws governing smaller and smaller little pockets of behavior <laughs> and Every it's year, not, it's not so different from uh, Chris Anderson's long tail idea. You know, when you hear all the things about uh, whatever civil forfeiture or about you know the the modern equivalent of debtor's prison for people getting all these fines, uh-huh. it's like if you 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 pile up enough of those two hundred dollar fines and you can run a run a pretty good small town. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, speed all traps you have- like the speed traps in Florida. There's towns that just run on nothing but stopping people on seventy five for going you know eighty miles an hour. Yeah, because they put up a sign that says, for the next 14 miles, the speed is 45 miles an hour. And you're just driving along at, at highway speeds, and it's like, oh, I didn't see the tiny sign that said it was a 45-mile speed that, limit. That is really real. I mean, it's there are places, like I think about going maybe near Gainesville, the place, I'm sure you've been through these places where it goes from 65 to mm. 35, yeah, like yeah. in less than a mile. And the sign is like hidden behind hidden a tree. Hidden behind a Dairy Queen. Yeah, a, a West Texas uh, West Texas keeps the lights on by the same method, but it, it's not just that. It's the, it's also the desire that we have even on top of the laws that are being made. I mean, when you think about all the constituencies in America who are like, there should be a law. There should be a law that prohibits people from spanking their kids. There should be a law that prohibits people from, you know, from teaching astrology there should be a law that prohibits this and that mentioning mentioning abortion as an option right we're all trying to add more and more laws to what is already like a spider web of laws because it's just it feels good to do it and we want to we want to limit everybody else and we want to we want to create the utopia that 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 comports with our mind the best. And so we're, we're, you and I and all of us are surrendering every day a little bit more of what would be, of what is essentially adult autonomy to this like convoluted set of law. Every time you click accept on a Apple, on an iTunes, uh, legal document Mm -hmm. it's just like i don't know what i just accepted and i don't give a fuck and that's happening in every aspect of our lives where it's like um you know like the whole idea that the 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 whole debate about gay marriage it's just like well this is adult autonomy this should not even be i mean it's a common thing to say but why are we even fighting it didn't used to be wasn't that long ago and so uh, that's right and 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 you know and the law like we we are we are debating the law we're we're discovering new truths in the law and that is that's a constant process and that will always be how we evolve but the but adding new laws is another it's a it's a it's a game that we're it's a game that we can't win right mm-hmm. And you and I both feel every day, and I think everybody that probably listens to our program feels that there are certain laws that we are empowered to ignore in the course of a day, right? There are certain things where it's like, yeah, okay, sure, four-way stop. 
I know technically I need to come to a complete stop. I'm, I'm an observer of those, but I respect your, <laughs> uh, I respect your deeply held Thoreauian beliefs and then not needing to follow that, roll, un, that unjust I'm, law. I'm going to roll on through here. There's nobody <laughs> around. John, um, I don't, I don't want to derail you, so to speak, mm. but mm. now – I don't. Uh, how how does uh, the, the does the Happy Village? How does how does Frontierland? How is that the stepping stone to Super Train? Or is it? It's just it's it's something we need to do. It's a practical first step toward the dystopia we can all live with, whether we like it or not. Yeah the 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 thing about Super Train is that it's coming in the ashes of our inevitable doom, right? <laughs> Gonna look great on a poster, <laughs> but on the on the way to this inevitable doom, right. there are certain steps we need to take. <laughs> There's still false hope. There's a lot of shit we need to try, mm-hmm. right? As we are hurtling, yeah, uh, for the for the montage scene that shows all the things that went wrong over 150 years. Yeah, as we're hurtling toward our destiny, we need to have some. We need to have some some cool graphics. Fair and, enough. Yeah, you know, and I feel like I feel like. The, the the counterpoint to to sin to sin city to frontier town is going to be church town somewhere you know there's going to be some, people are going to come along and say well if if they're if in soap lake they are uh they're having this free for all then over in moses lake we're going to just have a we're going to make a town where and i mean you know this is the beginning of a kind of like fracturing of civil society that's ultimately going to herald the doom that brings Super Train. I, I'm thank you. I, I might have a suggestion here mm-hmm. that I think gets to. I know if I think about all the things that you help people with, and all the things that you wake up every morning, literally saying, "What, what can I do about?" I, <laughs> obviously, homelessness number one. That's the thing mm-hmm. you most worry about. Um, the other thing you think about. I don't want you to leave yourself out of this. Here, mm-hmm. Let me just give you a quick thought technology here. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have uh, over here in. Um, in uh, in Frontierville, you're going to have the need for some infrastructure. You're going to need Absolutely. a place for the bus to stop. Yep. Um, There's going to need to be a sheriff. Well, there, you're going to want a lot of like convenience stores. You're going to want a lot of, and even if you over, over, overtake an existing city. And piggyback right. on its infrastructure, there's still going to be the need for stuff to happen there. Sure, there's I, already I, probably a vaping uh, supply store in Soap Lake, Washington, right. but you're going to need a couple. Right, but but think more. about this. I mean, you know, no matter what, even in this idyllic landscape that we're even in this literal utopia that we're creating for people who don't really feel like doing anything, you're still <laughs> going to need somebody sober to run the cash register. And that cash register, uh, not, running a cash register does not require you to be sober, sir. Is that, is that from experience? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I used some... to I used to keep a 32 ounce cup. A thirty-two ounce, like soft drink cup, like a big full, gulp, a big gulp, full, a, a big gulp full of wine under the counter. <laughs> well, it's just wine. That's a social drink. <laughs> and all day long, I would just be sipping at the wine. And every once in a while, somebody would be like, "What is that, Doctor Pepper? Is really red?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, well, it's. I didn't. I didn't change the hose." Somebody's going to need to bootstrap the infrastructure for this, and I don't want the government involved because, frankly, I don't think they can hmm. handle it. I think they could mishandle it. What I am thinking that is, if you were Become, nope, even better. I'm thinking this is finally your chance to be on a board. I think you go get some uh-huh. Elon Musk's and some Mark Zuckerberg's and mm-hmm. some Jeff Bezos's, and mm-hmm. you get on the board for bootstrapping 
an entire franchise of these cities in interested places. Now, maybe there could be a ballot initiative it. where they say, love hey, it. bring on Frontier Town, but you're still going to want somebody there. I want to say a grown-up, but I mean a grown-up who doesn't mind being around a bunch of drunks who don't feel like doing anything. Nothing, nothing there's anything wrong with that. That's the whole reason uh, we made Futureville. But w- when you do that, think about that. Now you are – if I may say, you are really positioning yourself for things to happen in the future. Financially, obviously, there's going to be a windfall for you here. But much more interestingly, you're getting into the corridors of power. You're getting the right people on your side. More importantly, they're getting you on their side. Mm-hmm. And I think when Supertrain comes along, you're going to have a uh, you know a Bear and a BMW type situation. You're going to have a and Braun type situation. Here's, here's what we do. Here's, here's the, here, the first product that Roderick Zuckerberg uh, uh uh, Bezos and Musk. Uh, RZBM? Uh-huh. Roderick uh, Zuckerberg, Bezos and Musk. <laughs> Our first product is a Sin City Gaia device. <laughs> this is your Genesis bomb? It's the Genesis bomb. Where oh, we, fly, we fly over the middle of a state somewhere. We drop the, we, we drop the Sin Genesis bomb. And it creates... I think it's called the, it's called the Future Seed. Future seed. It, it 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 impregnates the earth and creates just like you know, kind of like the opening sequence of Game of Thrones. This little like oh, suddenly little paper uh, pop ups. This Deus Ex Machina uh, of uh, <laughs> of like Sin Town. I kind of like Deus Ex Machina a, as the name of your interim holding group. <laughs> <laughs> and it just you know and it's built in kind of a mock tutor but it looks a little bit like venice also like houses on top of houses I like the idea of having some kind of robot avatar whose name is literally deuce middle <laughs> initial x last name machina uh-huh. hello right? i am he, deuce x machina and he looks like billy corgan oh man people can be flocking there yeah, they with, will. With the, with the, yes, with the they rucksacks, will. you know, it's going to be... <sighs> That's good. I would go there, and the thing is, you know, early days, it'll be amazing, and then it'll yeah. go to shit. Yeah. And you make a new one. And you make a new one. That's the other point with Las Vegas, the fixed costs. You know, that place is already built. They know where to deliver the prime rib in the fountains. You know, they sometimes you just want to pull up stakes, like a fucking, uh, uh, like a, a degenerate mash unit. You want to yeah, just sure. be able to move on <laughs> to the next town. Burn it down, and whatever, and all the skeeters that can't that can't move anymore. Just get burned with the town. Become fuel. <laughs> That's right. Call them skeeter logs. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, fun I times. think that's pretty good. That's pretty good. 